What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Yes, another edition of the Ballsy Podcast here brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket in studio with... Kevin Sherrington and Barry Horn, and we need to talk about some Rangers baseball. And all of a sudden, the Rangers are playing good, good ball once again, and we are joined by Evan Grant on our phone line. He is down in Houston. As we record this, Evan, Texas is in the riding a four-game win streak. They sweep the Nationals in D.C. over the weekend, and they take the first game of three in their Silver Boot Series against the Strohs. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the draft today. But first off, I do want to apologize as we went late with Mitch Lawrence in our other edition of the podcast this week. And uh, I just hope you're doing okay. And, I, again, I apologize for the entire crew. Nobody cares about me. That's true. That, hey, Evan, that is not true. I care about you dearly. So. No, the, 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 rest, the rest of us don't, though. Hey, listen, have you been to Kenny and Ziggy's yet? Uh, no, because I can't get out of my hotel room because I'm waiting for you people. Oh, oh, oh no. Evan. That is awful. Evan, what is going on with this Rangers team? They're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. So what's it going to be from here on out? could be a little bit of the up and it could be a little bit of the down um i i i still don't know what to make of this team um they had three really good wins in washington against the washington bullpen that um were all those in the twitter world who thought hey if we just had mike maddox back here with the rangers he'd solve all the rangers bullpen problems i'd like to point to the last three games in in washington so, but, but is he putting uh, the hand no. on the shoulder of the Nationals relievers? He, he does. He is okay. still doing He's that. Doing yeah. that. He, right. he did. Uh, I think when he went out on Friday night to talk to Tanner Roark, he did not put his shoulder on mm. him. That is his hand. hand on his shoulder then. But I stopped watching after one time because I'm really not that interested in what he does <laughs> with people's shoulders. Um, but uh, listen, you know, maybe there have been some times this year when the Rangers have caught teams at bad times for themselves, but. Well, is there a clock going on? Oh, <laughs> Barry's over here playing. Barry's testing. Barry's testing ringtones. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm podcast. sorry. Oh my gosh! How wow. unprofessional. Um, but I think that they also now are catching a break in what should have been their toughest road trip of the year. You know, Washington. Washington has had some bullpen issues. They they were play. They had lost an off day and had to play a makeup day on on Thursday. <laughs> and there was a lot of talk in a Washington Post about how tired that team was. And, and I think the Rangers took advantage of some of that. Uh, then they come here in Houston, and, and they don't have to face Dallas Keuchel, who's on the DL, and, and maybe for a little while. And then comes out yesterday that they're not going to have to face Lance McCullers either um, as he goes to the DL with, with some back discomfort that is supposed to be more of a minor issue. Um, but I, I think what we find out once again, as you look at the standings, whether it's the, the American League West, 
where Houston still got a commanding lead or the wild card standing, it's going to be a game of survival all year. Teams are gonna teams are gonna go through injuries. Injuries have just become a, a, a pervasive part of the game, and it's gonna be about teams surviving. And here we are with the Rangers, sixty-three games into the season. Uh, they've been without Cole Hamels for more than half of those games now. Uh, they've been without Adrian Beltre for more than half of the games. Uh, Carlos Gomez has been out for almost a month, and they're sitting there on the cusp of five hundred thirty-one and thirty-two. Uh, and I can't believe I'm saying this, they're a game and a half out in a wild card race. And, and so uh, all things considered, as poorly as they played, as many issues as they've had, you once again sit back and take stock and say they've kind of survived. So you're, so you're keeping you Darvish. When, when uh, people call John Daniels and say, we want you Darvish, you're, you're going to whisper in John Daniels' ear, don't do it, Correct. I think I've screamed pretty loudly, don't do it. But if, if the club is is out of contention and they're not going to sign you, Darvish, then it makes all the sense in the world to try and trade him. I, I think the Rangers really do have to consider, you know, there's Kevin's written about this, I've written about this, Tim's written about this. Uh, who is you, Darvish? Is he an ace? Should the Rangers keep him? Should they sign him? Should they trade him? I, I think that... What I think Sean and I are on the same side here on, on, on this on this point. He's as good a pitcher as the Rangers have ever had, and for six years now, when he's been healthy, he has pitched as well as anybody the Rangers have ever run out there. So from my perspective, this guy has value to the team this year and going forward, and I don't like the idea of if the Rangers are going to try to contend in 2018 – what kind of rotation they'd have if you Darvish isn't a part of it. And since you is the topic, let's talk about last night uh, in Houston. He hasn't been that good against the Astros in his last handful of starts, but last night gives up the one hit on a play where, you know, if Nomar Mazzara gets a better jump, maybe he makes the play. He gives up one run, he goes seven. He threw just over 100 pitches. He didn't have the huge strikeout numbers, but it was one of his better starts this year. And then you have Jeremy Jeffers coming in, working two innings. You get some early offense, and that's where I want to go is I think – I forget if you – I read it in the morning news. I don't know if you had it. I'm assuming you did. But use record when they get, he gets at least three runs. Oh, that was seven. Then, then, then he gets a couple of uh, RBI triples in the second inning from Rugi, who's actually getting his wheels back on. And then Joey Gallo nearly had a Little League home run there. Uh, just – it feels it feels like the narrative of you Darvish would be totally different if this offense more consistently put up runs for him. Uh, I think the stat. Well, I know the stat is that he's forty four and four um, for the course of his career when the offense scores three runs while he's in the game. Um, and Pretty if good. you go back to the, you go back to him coming back from Tommy John surgery, uh, he's thirteen and zero, and the club is sixteen and two in those games. Now. I went back and I, I, I did this online yesterday and compared him to a number of other elite starters. And there are guys, you know, the great starters are going to win when you get runs for them. Chris Sale has a, uh, I think Sale has a 9.28 win percentage over the course of those five since 2012 in those games. And and um, I think Corey Kluber has a 9.20. And there was one other name that I'm missing right now that was ahead of him. Scherzer. But I went through. Uh, no, Scherzer is was tied with him going into last okay. night, and now use a little bit ahead. Uh, I think two percentage points ahead. But um, he's just simply been—he he does what he is supposed to do. You give him a little bit of offense, and he does the rest. 
I think there are times, and, and, and I tried to touch on this yesterday before the game, there are times when you do kind of have to remind him, and I think Doug Brokale has done that, hey, you can't put it all on your shoulders, and no matter how hard you want to will yourself to win, all you can control is what you do on the mound. And I know there are going to be fans who think, well, the pitcher should know that, pitcher should know that, but these guys are competitors. They want to do everything they can to possibly give their team an edge. And there have been times when I think he was falling into that trap of, I've got to be too perfect. And you go back and look at the last three starts, yes, he did blink first. Yes, he did give up home runs. But uh, each of them was a three-run outing. Each of them, uh, well, two of the three, he went seven innings. And uh, if, if he leaves at that, at that point in time with the club you know, down by, by a run or down by two runs, they've got a chance to win. He has given them, even in his not best outing, an opportunity to win. The offense just hasn't scored behind him. And so what I think he did was yesterday he went out and he was able to block everything out. He certainly got the, the advantage of the two runs. But he also, I think, changed his approach. He realized that he had not had a good approach against the Astros the last time out. Or more precisely, the Astros had a really good approach against him, and he needed to, at this point in time, make an adjustment. And if you guys want to get into that, I, I think that was pretty significant. Yeah, he was he was not throwing as many fastballs last night as uh, normal against the Astros, was he? No, he he, uh, he threw a number of fastballs. I think what he what he steered away from Kevin was he he steered away from the slider, and and he used both the four seamer and the two seamer. And instead of going, you know, trying to run away with everything, away, 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 he came in a little bit more. And as Doug Brokale and he had talked about, he tried to make his misses a little bit more competitive. It wasn't hey try and get try and trick them and make them swing at a pitch they have absolutely no chance to hit. But make them swing at a pitch that they really that their 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 chances are not good, but that the pitch is going to entice them to swing. And and so he got a lot of soft contact. I think he got 13 ground ball outs last night instead of a high strikeout total. His pitch count was much more manageable. He had 103 pitches in seven innings last night compared to 104 in five innings the last time out against Houston. Against Houston, he threw a lot more hard curveballs which I think also confused the Astros. And then once he had the Astros off balance, that's when he brought out the slider in the final two innings and and really just kind of uh, when they were desperate and they were forced to go back to being overly aggressive and having to swing at just about everything. That's when he took advantage of the slider. Robinson Chirinos caught him last night. Chirinos had the big 11th inning home run over the weekend in D.C., are we starting to see a bit of a shift as far as who Jeff Bannister thinks is the better catcher? Because – I mean, it's hard to argue with what Chirinos has done in a split situation with LaCroix this year. It feels like he's calling better games, he's framing better, and obviously the offensive numbers are there. I think that it's still going to be a situation where it's at least 60-40, but it's pretty significant that Chirinos is catching Darvish regularly and that he, yeah, I don't think it's unexpected that he catches Perez regularly because they are very close. They do go back a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do think that this, you know, this plays to Robinson's strongest suits right now. Um, he is a guy who, when he does stay fresh, does have an awful lot of power to provide. I think he has accepted his role as kind of an expanded backup, and he's found other ways to contribute. This guy has really become, as I wrote about this on the weekend, 
uh, on the day that he hit the three-run home run. He he has become kind of the fabric of the leadership of this club, maybe number two in the clubhouse behind Adrian Beltre. Um, and I think he's he said, okay, if I'm not starting and I do have even more time on my hands, I can spend more time uh, getting deeper into my scouting book and deeper into scouting reports. And I don't know if it's, if it's just something I hadn't noticed in the past, but I see him walking around with a, that large scouting binder a lot more frequently than I think I had in the past. And that's not to say he didn't pay attention in the past. I think he's just ratcheted up even another notch. And, and I, I had kind of a, uh, in my little briefly uh, online thing yesterday, kind of summing up the weekend, I, I had a dot, dot, dot that, Cross my mind. This guy's going to be a major league manager if he wants to be. Um, I, I just think that uh, every year you see him, even in even last year when he went backwards a little bit in terms of performance, a lot of that was due to injuries. But as the season progressed, he he, he glommed on to this role of what he can do in a backup role, and he has continued to improve and get better and, and understands the game better and understands his place. He's bilingual. I, I think that. If Robinson Torinos chooses to go into managing when he's done, he's going to be a manager and be quite good at it. Right now, let's look at him, though, before he gets to that point. Uh, are the Rangers, uh, let's say that they do not have a, a fire sale here at the trade deadline and Jonathan LaCroix stays with the team, uh, Is will Robinson Torinos be the starting catcher next year? I think going into next year, again, you'd probably look at, at – at saying that Chirinos would be probably your um, your predominant catcher. Um, maybe maybe your 1A. 85, a 1A to yeah, a 1B. 85 or 90 games. I don't think they're ever going to look at Chirinos as a guy that they'd expect to catch 100-plus games. And, and, and look, even though he hasn't caught a whole lot in his career, he's 33 now. Um, keeps himself in great shape, but you get into your mid thirties, it's just it's hard to squat. I mean, look, Barry wouldn't Barry. It's hard for him to walk. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I'm, I'm twice his age. Shots fired. I'm twice his age. I'm almost twice your age. And that that that, that, that was cool. Barry, Barry, this was compassionate, Evan. Just trying to bring you back into the podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just looking. So, is is there another place for Lucroy to play? You don't, you don't need him to be anything but a catcher, correct? You, you, no, but I mean, Lucroy's a free agent after this right. year. Right, he's going to go somewhere and get and get a big a big deal. But right, so you I, should I mean, trade Rangers him. Robinson, I don't think you're going to trade him if you're if you're contending. Really? You know, if 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 this team falls out of it, then in, in July, then then yeah, they'll deal him. But as things stand now, things are working pretty well. And, and let's not That's... let's also not forget the fact that this. this weekend started with Jonathan Lucroy having a big game on Friday night in D.C., and his, his bat has started to warm up as well. I, they got a really good situation at catcher right now, and I don't think I'd be looking to mess with it. But, but does it have to be all or nothing, even if they hang out in the wild card picture? Can't, don't you have enough expiring deals that you could unload in July and still have a competitive club that could put maybe, who knows, push for a playoff spot? And in my mind, Lacroix would be at the front of that list to get the most back on July 31st. Who's going to catch for you at least twice a week, then? Cosma. Brett Nicholas. 
Yeah, I I will say this, Britt Nicholas. I, I I'm surprised that Britt Nicholas hasn't gotten a look, given all the the issues that the Rangers have had. I, I'm I'm a little bit surprised Britt Nicholas hasn't gotten a look um, as kind of a third catcher that would allow them to DH Lucroy and Wertrinos a little bit more often, but. I just don't know if you want to go into the last two months of a pennant race with an inexperienced catcher who doesn't have many major league at-bats and who hasn't caught a lot of these guys a whole bunch of times. I, I, I think right now they've got a strength at catcher, and I think it's only going to continue to get better as the season wears on. And I don't think that unless you know they lose the last two games here and then that long road trip at the end of June goes south, and, and, and we see this team start to fall apart. I'm not looking to make any moves there. I, I think I've got a veteran team with some good veterans in that clubhouse, and, and, and I expect this team to play really well in the second half with those veterans and fresh guys behind the plate every night. So what's going to happen to Jerks and Profar now, now that Adrian Beltre has decided he wants to keep playing? <laughs> Man, there is, there's no place for Jerks and Profar. I, I there. The best, the best thing the Rangers could do was, I think, what they did early this year was send him down, hope that he played well at shortstop, reestablish some value. But where is there for this guy to ever play in this organization? No. Um, I, I think your best hope is if you are contending that maybe he is the guy who can who confront something of a uh, of, of a minor deal. Maybe he helps you get a, a reliever to booster your to booster your, your your bullpen, but he's not going to have a whole lot of service time left before free agency to any club. He hasn't proven that he can be a big league everyday player, um, and he certainly hasn't. You know, Kevin, I think you were the first to, to really kind of to jump on this that he has not in any way shown a proclivity towards that super utility role where he really would be potentially valuable. Yeah, I, I, I just it's it's a shame uh, what's happened to Profar, and it'll be interesting to me to see if he went someplace else. Just like in the WBC, of, of course, uh, Sam Dyson had a good WBC too, but you know he goes out there and he and he was playing center field, and that was not it's not his natural position, but he was playing there every day, and and when he played every day, he was terrific. Uh, and that's not to say that necessarily yeah, but transfers, I, I but I mean, I can't, I, I can't in, in this regard. You know, first of all, it's, it's it's March, and like we, I think we've seen that the only guy that I've seen that came out of the WBC improve um, is Alex Claudio, and I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Secondly, I don't think you know Profar was facing major league pitching uh, night in and night out, and, and it's just it's just kind of an anomaly. I, I think that as you've said, Kevin, this guy's best situation is to go someplace where he could play shortstop. Every day. What's, what's if he can't? I just don't know that he's going to thrive. No, I don't think. What's so. What's a realistic percentage of games you think Adrian Beltre can play third base in the rest of the season? Realistically, and do you think he'll be back? Barry, I was told it was not a matter of if, but when he went on the DL with his ankle sprain. Right, and there was a lot of there was a lot of supposition that it was actually an, a high ankle sprain, and I'm not so sure it isn't a high ankle sprain. And and Adrian is out there playing. Um, I, I you can't count this guy out. I think. Um, but can you count on him? Because because uh, because of the this proclivity for injuries at, at this age. Does, do, can do you do, count on him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, 
this, this team counts on him. This team is counted on him all the time. Uh, I think what I think what Barry is saying is is that realistically yeah. he is a tough guy, and there's no question about that. Played half a he season has, with a torn I mean, thumb ligament, right? Yeah, I understand I that. Mean, that's but, the thing that that guy should have. I mean, I, I covered Gary Sheffield when he did the exact same injury in 1996, and the guy missed 12 weeks and needed surgery. And Adrian Beltre played the last half of the year and hit over 300. So yes, they count on this guy. They should have put him on the DL last Thursday. Okay. All he did was come back and. And play, and he contributed last night. You right. know, I mean, it, it, you you have to say you count on this guy. He is a Hall of Fame player with a Hall of Fame threshold. So you're threshold. so you're counting on him to be, unless he's like the Black Knight in the Monty Python movie that gets all his limbs chopped off. It's he's just going a to be your third, he's going to be your third baseman. But what I saw last night, and I'm sure you did too, Evan. The dig that. Joey Gallo made at first base on a low throw by Adrian Beltre looked very natural, and because of his stature, because he's left-handed, it feels like, and that even though it's not his natural position, he looks like a natural fit at first base. And you know, as we talk about veterans who might be disposable in July, I really haven't missed Mike Napoli at all since he's gone on the DL, and I, I just feel like that could be Joey Gallo's spot to run with. Oh, I think it is going to be Joey Gallo's spot predominantly to run with, and I think that what you'll see is you'll see Napoli kind of move in and out at first base occasionally against left-handers um, and at DH occasionally against left-handers for, for you know, if it's a particularly bad matchup for Chu or Mazzara. But, um, yeah, I think that what you're going to see the rest of the way, and this may actually lead to better production from Mike Napoli if you go back and look at his track record, is the guy he crushes left-handed pitching, and when you play him every day and, and, and face him against right-handers, he does struggle a little bit. Now, an interesting development to me has been the fact that the former primary DH, Shinsu Chu, is now playing... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, let you, me just interrupt. You're going to break, break news, news about here. the... Breaking news. This is a left-handed reliever. A left-handed reliever. Yeah. The Rangers have acquired left-handed reliever uh, Jolie Rodriguez from Philadelphia for a player to be named later or cash. John Blake is obviously very excited about this because he tweeted it and was texting that we need to report this trade uh, immediately while I was in the middle of um, trying to answer a question about Adrian Beltre on a podcast. Is, so, is he there, there in Jolie in the bigs right now? I think he is. Yes, because I don't believe Angelina has been promoted. No, not yet. She's <laughs> working her way up, though. Um, so I know nothing about Jolie Rodriguez, but what it is is it's another left-handed option um, that uh, it's not Dario Alvarez. Yeah, let's hope not. You, um, this team tries to find tries to find low-cost uh, fills for bullpen for bullpen arms, and you know I, I I've said this before about the way John Daniels does it, and I I don't mean to belittle it, but I think his for his perspective is that. Oftentimes, bullpen arms just kind of fall out of the sky. You know, they are they are one year hits, and then the next year you can't count on them. A la Sean Tolleson, a la Sam Dyson. Uh, it goes back and much further than that. But um, this, you know, this could be a guy that maybe is a one batter type solution as Alex Claudio takes on a much more prominent role in the bullpen, gives the Rangers a little bit more flexibility here in the not too distant future. They've now added him, and they added. Um, Ernesto Freire, a right-hander, veteran right-hander, last week on a minor league contract. 
Well, if you want some stats, he was 1-2 and two with a 633 ERA in 27 innings this yeah. season with Philadelphia in 26 relief appearances, Savior. and he was DFA'd on June the 8th. So, But if you look at last year, he actually did pretty well in a handful of games. So it, it could be year to year. Unfortunately, we are not time traveling. We are playing in the we are playing in the now. Not that you know of, Kevin. <laughs> no, that's true. That's a good so. point. But back to my question about Shin Su Chu. What was Jeff Bannister's thinking in giving him that, uh, or, or, or telling him, I guess, that yeah, we're going to run you out there a little more often? Did he did he just see better production from Chu, a better attitude from Chu? What did he? Say? I don't think I don't think he's so much as said that that you're going to be playing outfield more more regularly. What, what he has done is, with what the Rangers have out there, they just, they've got to rotate guys in and out. And I think he's maintained all along that they were going to try to keep him engaged. And by playing him in the outfield, it does keep him engaged. They, will, they were desperate for the best potential lineup that they could run out there on a lot of nights. And... and I think on six different occasions over the last three weeks, that has included using a catcher as the DH. So you had to find a spot to, to play Chu in the field. Um, and they were without Carlos Gomez. I think once you see Carlos Gomez come back, uh, you're going to have a line, an outfield lineup that is more regularly Gomez in left, DeShields in right. I mean, DeShields in, in, in left, Gomez in center, Mazzara in right, and Chu as the DH. Again, Chu and Napoli may alternate a little bit of DH, and Chu may get a few more starts in the outfield here or there, but they're also going to continue to act to protect, to protect his body, uh, particularly as the season gets longer and the stretches of, of games without days off gets longer. And the numbers might not indicate it, but it feels like the last but, uh, week and Kevin, a half. Did, oh. Kevin, just to, to, to your point, he's played well in the outfield this year. He's been, when he has played, he's been... He hasn't been a detriment in the outfield. He hasn't been a liability. And, again, this is another guy who, while while we all kind of gravitate towards Adrian Beltre as one of the leaders of this club, um, I think Chu also is part of the core group. And and the the Rangers want him to have as big a presence as possible. And certainly that that grows when he does have some outfield responsibilities. And and he's been their best hitter, I feel like, the last couple weeks. Even even though the numbers don't indicate it, I feel like he's giving them the best at-bats possible. Another guy that's been giving them good at-bats all year is Elvis. And I understand that there are some bigger names in front of him in the voting and uh, and maybe more deserving, but it feels like he's an all-star this season. Don't, yeah, I don't was thinking about this the other, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. Is um, you know, I think two weeks ago we all kind of assumed that if the Rangers, the, the Rangers only All Star would be would be you. And now, um, after he had three starts where he didn't get wins, and the numbers kind of bumped up a little bit, who would be the Rangers All Star? And I think it is, you know, it, it, it's Elvis or, or Darvish. I don't know that both of them will make it. Um, but I, 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 I'd certainly like to see Joey Gallo in the home run derby for fun. I don't know what it would do to his swing, but I'd certainly like to see that. Um, and, and I do think that Elvis is, is as deserving as, as anybody on this club of being an all-star. He has had the most consistent at-bats all year. He is, he's continued to make himself into a multifaceted offensive threat. And, um, uh, this is um, this is not a great lineup from which to pick a, a stellar 
uh, a, a stellar all-star this year. And we we would be remiss if we didn't mention what Austin Bibbins Dirks did this we past weekend to. because I mean that was I know you've had a lot of feel-good stories over the years in, in covering a bunch of different clubs, but where does that rank for you as far as cool stories for you know a journeyman? No, it's an absolutely great story, and I, I really thought the anecdote he talked about, you know, when he found out Saturday afternoon that he was for sure starting, and he didn't know who we'd be facing because he would he had been prepared in you know to pitch out of the bullpen all weekend, and um, he was on the phone with his wife afterwards saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm starting, and his wife said, and then he asked his wife who he was facing, and and she told him Scherzer, and he goes, oh great, I've got to face Scherzer, and his <laughs> wife said, no. You get to face Scherzer, and he gets to face you. And and and, and he went out there, and uh, I think I I just the the one caution I would put on anybody here is he's pitched great. He's pitched great in mostly in a long relief role, done a, a nice job in in, in two spot starts. Um, Sunday was a weird starting time. Uh, I, I think it was very evident that both teams were not seeing the ball particularly well in the shadows. Clearly, the Nationals didn't have much of a scouting report on him, and they did. He and Jonathan Lucroy did a really good job of, of kind of pitching backwards for much of the game against against the Nationals, and and not going into any kind of predictable pitch sequences. But I don't think that people should be thinking, "Oh, is this going to be the next Colby Lewis or anything?" You know, just enjoy this while you've got it. It could it could snap um, any day. It could be. Um, it could be a nice long relief arm for the rest of the year. Right now, it's a really good story, and, and people I don't think should try and build it into into anything more than this is really nice in the moment. And Evan, I know we got to wrap it up here in a few, but we have to talk a little bit about the first three picks of the draft. And you know, when people download this, I mean, they're all forty rounds might have come and gone, but uh, they get Bubba Thompson, the high school quarterback and outfielder out of Alabama at twenty six. They get Chris Cease, a shortstop who might grow out of that position at 29, a Florida high school product, and another high school kid, an 18-year-old uh, right-hander, uh, Hans uh, – I'm blanking on Krause. his name. Kraus. Kraus, that's right. I can't even read my own handwriting. It's so bad. But uh, I read an OC register piece on Kraus, and he's a bit of a hothead, and uh, he throws hard. And I know that uh, Kip Fag, the scouting director, was pretty thrilled that – he fell all the way to number 66 in round two. And I know you didn't cover it for the morning news because you were on the road, but what do you make of what they did in their first three picks? Well, I, uh, I think that um, for me to sit here and analyze any of what these guys are capable of would be would be foolish. And, and really, any of us who cover the team on a daily basis, it would be foolish because we just don't see enough of these guys. But Thompson is a raw is considered a really raw talent. Um, and, and the Rangers do like these really high upside athletic guys. You know, Kip Fag did select an Alabama high school quarterback one time in, in the 15th round, actually, in 2012, and that was a guy named Jameis Winston. And, and they, they really wanted to sign James. You know, they, 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 want, they at least made some cursory calls to see if, if there was any possibility of talking him out of baseball. I mean, out of football. Um, so they like these kinds of, of talent. I, I know that this guy's got an impeccable pedigree because of the high school he attended, McGill Tulin, mm-hmm. in uh, in Mobile, uh, produced both Jimmy Buffett and Vince Dooley. Oh, so gosh. you can't get much oh, better oh, than that. Yeah. Neither one of um, whom uh, played uh, baseball. baseball. Vince Dooley played baseball in college, and Jimmy Buffett sings about baseball in many of his songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Uh, you know, and, and Major I'll, League you'll Baseball. never, you will never get me to think of Mobile as anything less than a good, productive spot for for high school talent, and that's just a historical perspective based on the guys who came through there in the in the sixties and seventies. Henry Aaron, in, in, yeah. in guys like Aaron and Billy Williams, Willie Mays, um, so Ivan Mazel. Well, Mays was from I think Mays was from around the Birmingham area. No, no, he's he from Mobile. Mays is from Mobile too. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and, and McCovey was from Alabama too. But I, 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 that's all just you know historical perspective. I, I think that the, the big thing on Bubba Thompson is, is is there's raw athleticism there, and the Rangers are uh, think that they've got the possibility of developing a big time power hitter. Um, don't know really anything about Chris Dice or Cease or Cease. I I. It's I don't even know how to pronounce his name, except that he does come from the same high school as last year's third-round pick, Cole Enright. So they've obviously seen this guy a lot over the last two years. And while he was not as high on some boards as he was on the Rangers, the Rangers may have a more intimate um, uh, understanding of who this guy is. The third-round pick, uh, Kraut, yeah, is a really interesting story. I need to share that Orange County Register story. Um I think there's two things to take away from that story. One is that he is a really emotional pitcher. Um, so is Blake Bevin. Uh, he likes to he, – he does seem to idolize Mark Fiedrich, um for some huh. reason. Um, huh. But uh, his, his, his story is is also one of his, his mom was, was dealt with a, a lot of drug abuse and um, a real story of, of kind of perseverance there. And, and so this is a guy, again, you know, You've got to deal with some adversity over the course of your baseball career, and if you dealt with it in real life, you may be more prepared for it in uh, in baseball. And and the one other the one other thing I'd add here is just remember now in these first ten rounds, a lot of this now is as much about accounting as it is pure talent capability because you've got to manage your bonus pool, and you're going to go over your bonus pool slots for some guys. Uh, and, and to do that, you've got to balance it by taking some guys who are willing to take a lower than slot in those picks. And the reason I mention this is perhaps Sice, may be willing to take less than what his assigned slot value is at 29 mm. that will allow the Rangers to take some more intriguing picks, uh, say, rounds three through uh, ten today. Evan, I need to apologize to you because when you said Mays, I thought you meant Mays as an Ivan Mazel. You were talking about Willie Mays being from the Birmingham area, and you're correct. Yeah, I always am. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I thought you, you would give an Ivan Mazel a new nickname, Mays. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got that correction in. And uh, yeah, Evan. I, that, that really helps the listener out. No, it does. I'm, 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 hey, it's I'm it's a big, accountability. I'm a big man. I just want to say that you, you were right and I was wrong. But you're getting smaller all the time. Let's just say that. All right. Do you guys have anything else for me? Because I really have to go dig into Angelina Jolie Rodriguez. Okay. Well, uh, we look forward to it. And uh, congratulations on getting four wins on this road trip. I'm sure a lot of the club success is directly attributed to what you're doing. So keep it up out there, Evan. Thank you, fellas. All right, there he goes. That's Evan Grant, Rangers beat writer of morning of uh, the morning news here on the Ballsy Podcast. Thanks to Brian. He's who, more than just a beat writer. He is. He's a 
as as my friend Norm Hitzkus calls him, the baseball Buddha. I'm sure that's it might not be an authorized nickname, but I, it always makes me giggle. Thanks to Brian for uh man, we probably cut way into his lunchtime. Uh for Kevin, for Barry, I'm Sean Bass of the Ticket. Please do listen to the other podcasts. We had uh, Mitch Lawrence to talk NBA in the finals, and we also had a uh, Gary Myers for a former alum of Sports Day DFW to talk Cowboys in the NFC East as uh, minicamp gets underway. So tell your friends, share this on social media, and keep listening to the Ballsy Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.